on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken my Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For until then... They still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she went, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go, find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If, anyone, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. 
Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these words are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Amen. And it struck me as I read through that a few times this week, just those group of people, the first people that encountered the risen Lord or heard the news of the risen Lord and the different responses that they had. And I'm just going to mention them briefly. I'm not going to unpack them in too much detail. But John, John immediately saw and believed. Peter, Luke tells us, he left wondering what had happened. Mary said, I have seen the Lord and immediately began to share the good news with others. The disciples also said, we have seen the Lord, and they tried to convince a doubter. Thomas said, I don't believe. But then after encountering Jesus for himself, as we've just heard from David, he says, my Lord and my God. Peter later said, Lord, you know I love you to the point of death. Different responses, similar experiences, different reactions. So which one of you this morning, on this Easter Sunday, which of those disciples can you relate to? To whom can you most identify? Perhaps this morning, like John, you simply see and believe. Perhaps like Peter initially, you're even this morning still wondering about the truth of it all. Can you say, like Mary, I have seen the Lord and now you can't wait to share that great news with other people. Perhaps like the disciples, from your position of sight, are you seeking to convince doubters? Perhaps like Thomas initially, do you still not believe? Or perhaps as he went on, to say, can you truly exclaim, my Lord and my God, or like Peter, I love you, Lord, even to death. If you're any of those people this morning, then you're obviously in great company. And I felt this morning that really God just wanted to reopen your eyes, uh, relight that passion, just remind you this Easter Sunday, just the truth of what his aliveness means different responses from the disciples, perhaps some different responses this morning, but I hope by God's Holy Spirit in just a few minutes that I'm going to read something to you in just a moment, that his Holy Spirit will impact your heart again and remind you what the aliveness of Jesus means for us. So that as John 20 says, so that we may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we will have life by the power of his name. I had an experience last November that kind of had that Kairos moment for me when I was just blown away again by the fact that Jesus is alive and what that really means. And uh, 
Uh, some of us went to Hong Kong last um, November, and on one of the days we had a day trip to see a big Buddha that's going to come up on the screen here. Perhaps weren't expecting to hear about Buddha on Easter Sunday morning, but this is a big Buddha, and uh, this big Buddha is on Nyongping uh, Lantau Island, and um, we went there, went uh, on a coach trip all the way up this huge mountain, and this big Buddha is right on the top of the mountain, and you can see it for miles from all around kind of the islands of Hong Kong, you can see this on the top of the mountain. If you go to the next one, Chris, it'll give you a little bit of perspective when you see uh, the people. If you go to the next one, Chris. Uh, that gives you a little bit of an idea. You can see the people going up and down the steps to it. Um, and it's made of bronze. And uh, we, we went on a coach all the way up the mountain. It took about an hour to get to the top. We got out and we, we went into, there's a door into the Buddha. And uh, we went into that. And um, something that I saw there just broke my heart. Because uh, we went into one of the halls that is in the big Buddha. And uh, it's the Hall of Benevolent Merit. And in this hall were thousands and thousands and thousands of, of names of Chinese people. Some had little pictures as well. But this hall, which was, you know, probably uh, four times the size of this room, uh, not like the pictures that we've got on the wall, but it was just lists and lists and lists and lists of, of, of names. And they were beautifully ornate. They were like little ceramic tiles, you know, sort of this size lists and lists of names, some had a slightly bigger one with a picture, and it was just thousands and thousands of names. And uh, the guide was telling us that, that for people to, to get their name in the Big Buddha, you know, not only do they have to pay a lot of money, but in order to go there, they have to, obviously they don't generally do the coach trip like the tourists, they have to walk up this mountain. It's quite a difficult island to get to. Then when you get to the island, you've got to then climb the mountain. You have to pay a lot of money just to get, you know, your deceased loved one's name in the Big Buddha in the hope that it will, you know, bring them a better afterlife, in the hope that it will mean something for them, in the hope that it will change their eternal destiny. Well, I was just beside myself in this room looking at this dead hope. It just grieved me like I can't explain. I stood there and I just looked at these thousands of names and thought, but this is, this is pointless, this is empty, this is dead religion, this is, this is a fake, this is a fraud, this does not mean anything for these people. You've traipsed here, you've climbed the mountain, you've paid the money, but it will make no difference to these people. And it was so sad to see you know, these, these names and I just thought everything within me wanted to, to you know, start yelling that this was, obviously that wasn't an appropriate thing to do, but that this was pointless, that this was, you know, dead. And then we came back down uh, from the, down to the steps, and there's a circle bit here, and there's another one just here. And if you, if you go to the next one, Chris, um, I couldn't help myself. I, um, there's, a, there's a circle at the bottom that's an echo circle, and if you stand right in the circle um, and you shout, it echoes all through this kind of uh, monastery and this area that, that we were there. And uh, a few people went in the circle and said, like, Villa are the best. <laughs> and that echoed all around Hong Kong. And, uh, but um, I, I just, it was one of those, Janet couldn't stop herself. I went into the middle and I shouted at the top of my voice, Jesus is alive! <laughs> and, uh, and it boomed out all through this kind of Buddhist place. But it was just like this surge within me, having seen this emptiness and this deadness and this 
money that had passed hands in order to buy merit for dead people that meant nothing. I just, it's just this surge within me that I just had to stand and yell the truth uh, and have it echo around, around this place. And it was just one of those moments where it crystallized again for me that I serve a living God, that I don't have a, a, a faithless hope. I don't have a hope that's empty, that's dead. I, I have a living faith. I have a God that's alive and he's at work in my life today. And it just burst within me that the stark contrast of what you know, was the belief there and what I live every day in my life. It just exploded within me and I just couldn't stop myself. And I think what I want to read to you in just a moment is something I've written this week, which I hope will just impact you again of what it really means that we serve a living God. That it isn't just faith, it isn't just religion, it isn't just going through the routine and the regulations and the, the, uh, you know, the historical, the traditions. It's, it's the fact that we have a relationship with an alive God and what that really means for each one of us today. So I'll say this is just something I've written. It'll only take me probably four or five minutes to read it. But I just want you to open up your hearts. A bit of a different style talk this morning. I'm just going to read you something that I've written. Open up your spirits and just allow these truths. They're all from Scripture. Just allow these truths of what it means that Jesus is alive. What it means for you today. Are you ready? Good. Because Jesus is alive, it means he is all he said he is. It means he is all he claimed to be. It means God can be trusted. It means God kept his promise. It means God will continue to keep his promises. It means God is in control even when it doesn't look like it. Because Jesus is alive, it shows triumph can come from tragedy. It says God can still move stones. It shouts that the tomb is not terminal. It suggests that the clothing of death can become a symbol of life. It states that our darkest days can be illuminated with the presence of a living Jesus. It screams, your life may be in Good Friday, but Sunday is coming. Because Jesus is alive, death has no hold on your life. Your sins are paid for. The truth will set you free. Your soul has been rescued. Your life has been ransomed. You've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You can approach God with bold confidence. Your, his residence is now your heart. Relationship with God is yours for the asking. Eternal life is yours for the taking. Because Jesus is alive, he is your mediator, your advocate, your shepherd, your high priest, your intercessor, your Lord and saviour. He is head of the church, he is head of this church. Because Jesus is alive, he is here, right here, right now. He is in today, he is already in your tomorrow. He knows your past, he sees your future, he will never leave or forsake you. He lives to intercede for you, he is able to present you blameless and pure before God. His mercies are new every morning. He can bestow you with spiritual gifts. He seats you in heavenly places. Because Jesus is alive, you can feel his presence. You can hear his voice. You can experience his perfect peace. You can know real joy. You can face your fears. You can experience his unfailing love. You can know the everlasting arms beneath you. You can know his banner of love over you. You can trust his ways are higher. You can know there is no low point he can't lift you from. In him you can live and move and have your being. He is active in this world. He is active in your world. 
Because Jesus is alive, right now you have his full attention. Right now he sees your heart. Right now his grace is sufficient. Right now his power is made perfect in your weakness. Right now he is more than able. Right now he's extending his kingdom footprint. Because Jesus is alive, every day his mercies are new. Every day he transforms lives. Every day he rejoices over you with singing. Every day he puts breath in your lungs. Every day he puts life in your being. Every day he bestows blessing upon your life. Every day he seeks to work all things together for your good. Every day he is with you. Every day he is for you. One day he will welcome you to heaven. One day he will open the door to eternal rest. One day you will see him face to face. One day he will wipe every tear from your eye. One day he will present you before God, blameless and pure. One day he will place a crown on your head. One day you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful one. One day we will cast our crowns before him. Because Jesus is alive, he is able today to strengthen, to sustain, to lead, to guide, to heal, to help, to speak, to listen, to comfort, to cleanse, to encourage, to empower, to defend, to deliver, to forgive, to forgive, feed, father and favor, to bless, to beautify, to shield, to steady, to purify, provide, perfect and please, to change, to convict, to touch, to transform. Today he is able to save you completely. See and believe this morning. Jesus Christ is alive. He always was, he always is, and he always will be alive. Alive. He is alive. Let's pray.